The 23rd Psalm is uh, probably the psalm with which we're most familiar. It's probably many people's favorite psalm. It's, It's a very personal psalm. Did you know that there are 18 times in this short psalm that um, the first-person pronoun is used, I, me, my. It's a very personal psalm, but it's not really a self-centered or selfish psalm. Um, These 18 times uh, are expressions of gratitude toward God. It's a grateful psalm. The imagery, we like the imagery of the shepherd. It's idyllic. It's pastoral. We can close our eyes and just see the green pastures and the still waters. You know, um, green pastures, good food, still waters, good water, righteous paths, safe roadways, safe alleys. You know, it's a picture that all is well with the world, all is good. Um, we just like the imagery. When I, when I think of the, of the comfort and, and the care in this psalm of the shepherd, I think of when my sister and I were little and uh, when our parents would go out on Saturday nights with their Sunday school class, we would, uh, my sister and I would stay at uh, our grandmother's house. And we, you know, we loved staying with our grandmother and watching Perry Mason. And, and when the, my mom and dad would come come to pick us up around 10 o'clock at night. We would be really sleepy. We'd get in the back seat of Dad's 47 Pontiac, and we'd almost immediately fall asleep while Mom and Dad drove across town to our home. That 47 Pontiac had upholstery that's better than any sofa I've had in my life. It was so comfortable, you could just sink down in it. And we fell asleep, and then we'd get home, and, and Mom would pick me up, and carry me into the house, up the stairs, into my room, into my bed. And that's my image of all is well with the world, being in my, my mother's hands, loved and cared for, not a care in the world. You know. In the 23rd Psalm, God gets all the verbs. Um, The shepherd leads. The shepherd restores. We are passive, and we are almost like children in the 23rd Psalm. The shepherd provides everything. When I think of that image of the 23rd Psalm, I realize I'm not a child anymore, and I can't go back. I'm an adult. This week, as I read the 23rd Psalm, two phrases just kept jumping off the page to me. I shall not want, and I fear no evil. At this time, where do we start? With our fears or our wants? And sometimes they're related. We fear the virus. We fear getting it. We fear our loved ones getting it. We fear losing our jobs. We fear what's happened at the stock market. We, we 
we want a vaccine. We want things to reopen. We want more testing. We, we want leadership. You know, we want to eat out. We want to socialize. It's all about fear and want now. And it's just not now that our lives have been a bundle of fears and wants. I mean, we fear death. We fear disease. We fear poverty. We fear homelessness. We fear the homeless. We fear embarrassment. We fear coming out. We fear rejection. We fear unemployment and loneliness and the cold and hunger and our enemies. We fear breakups with our partners. We fear being hacked. We fear the weeds in our garden. And what don't we want? We want safety. We want promotions. We want raises. We want more. We want larger houses, better cars. We want more happiness. We want more stuff. We want more praise, more cooperation more time. We want things to be bigger, higher, faster, stronger. Fears and wants occupy a lot of our time. And there's so much we don't see. We don't see the green pastures and the still waters because we are so occupied by our fears and our wants. They intrude on the idyllic life and the pastoral image we want for life. You know, when you think about commercials, so many appeal to our fears and our wants. Political campaigns are based on what we fear and what we want and which candidate will address and do away with our fears and meet our wants. And so many TV shows and political shows keep us stirred up with our wants and our fears just aggravating the stress and anxiety in our lives. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It's almost countercultural to say that. To say, I shall not want. I will fear no evil. The word shepherd in, in Hebrew and in, in the Bible is certainly a word used for those who care for sheep. But it's also a political term that's used for the ruler, for the king. The king was known as a shepherd. Shepherd is an authority figure. It's one who directs life. It's one to whom we give loyalty. It's the one in whom we trust. It's the one whose voice we listen to. It's the one who gives meaning and purpose to our lives. Shepherd is the one we choose for our lives. 
when the psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd, the psalmist is saying, what God gives is enough. When the psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd, the psalmist is saying, this is the one I listen to. This is the leader I follow. The psalmist is making a statement that's kind of anti-greed, anti-lust, and anti-acquisition. The Lord is enough for me. It's a radical statement, and it requires lots of guts to say it. How the psalm is constructed is, is indicative of the importance of the Lord in the psalmist's life. It begins and ends with the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord all my days. The person's life begins and ends with God. God is the boundaries. God is the frame for this person's life. The person talks about God in the third person, the Lord. You know, we can talk about something and it doesn't have to be present. But when the psalmist talks about going through the valley of the shadow of death, the psalmist switch, switches from the Lord out there, distant and removed, to you are with me. Though I go through the darkest valley, you are with me. I fear no evil. The psalmist moves from God that's remote to you who are present. The psalmist changes from talking about God to talking with God and to God. What's interesting in this psalm is there are 55 words in Hebrew in this psalm. Don't try to count it in English. There are 55 words. You is the 28th word. 27 words before, 27 words after. You is at the heart of this psalm. It's at the center of this psalm. And the psalmist is saying, God is at the center of my life. God is in my heart. And the psalmist isn't really saying, God is at the heart of my life. The psalmist is saying, you are at the heart of my life. This is personal. And this is intimate. During the stay-at-home order, it, 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 it fascinates me how many commercials 
promote their, their business, their product, by using this image of we are with you. We are there for you. TV stations, car companies, restaurants, we are there for you. Glass companies, investment firms, banks, we are there with you. There's this this need in our society right now to have this sense of not being alone and knowing that you are with me. This is something the psalmist knew thousands of years ago. Yea, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. The dark valley remains. The enemies remain. But they are not what they seem when you are present. You, present in my life, makes a difference. You are a host. You make things hospitable. Hosts make us feel important. Hosts make us feel like there's a place at the table for us. A good host makes us feel that there is a place in their heart for us. A good host listens to us. In this psalm, you transform the wilderness to a home. You transform the isolation and the loneliness to companionship. You take the scarcity and it becomes abundant. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. And you anoint my head with oil. You treat me as somebody special. And enemies. Enemies are brought to the table. Where we talk with them. And we learn them as people. And we can face and deal with our enemies. Fear and want separate us from our neighbor. We fear our neighbor. We avoid our neighbor. Fear and want turn our neighbor into threats, into a rival, into a competitor. Fear and want turn our relationship with our neighbor into a win-lose proposition. And we are very concerned about ourselves. Fear and want turn us into people who covet, who envy, who are jealous. 
Fear and want build barriers and defenses against our neighbors. And sometimes that fear and want lead us to do evil to our neighbors, to deprive our neighbors. And sometimes that fear and want let us see our neighbor as evil. You at the center eliminate the fear and the want And when the causes of our separation from our neighbor are gone, we can love our neighbor. The defensive barriers are down. As Gwen said in the children's story, perfect love casts out fear. And you at the center cast out the fear that enables us to love our neighbors. So often this psalm is seen as as a funeral psalm. And it's appropriate to be read at funerals. Surely I shall dwell in the house of the Lord all my days. Think, however, that the psalmist wrote it for the present tense. The verbs are present tense, by and large. You lead me. You restore me. You prepare me. You are with me. You anoint. This is a psalm for the present day. So, how do we get you at the center? When I was going through a very dark valley, when I was in college, I really didn't have a shepherd. I really didn't have a voice to listen to. I didn't have paths of righteousness. I was lost. And I remember so often (laughs) going into the restroom at a party, going into the restroom at a friend's house, and washing my hands and looking in the mirror and looking at myself in the mirror and saying, God, What do you want me to do? God, what do you have in mind for my life? What do you want me to become? And I used to think, what strange questions for a person who said he didn't believe in God. And it dawned on me, that if I was talking to God, I must think God exists. 
And then I thought, if I'm talking so intimately with you, God must be present with me in all of this. And I gradually grew to realize that the you I was talking to had been with me all along. And the you wanted to be in my life and wanted to be in my heart and wanted to be at the center of my life. It got me through the dark valley. I think we get God at the center of our life by starting to talk to God as you. As Paul says in Romans, the very act of wanting to pray is an indication that God is in our lives because God is the one urging us to pray. The psalmist is basically saying, of all your desires, of all your wants, want one thing. Want God's presence. See past the anxiety and the fear and the need to control. And you will be free and joyous and generous and grateful. May it be so.